Hello, and welcome to another episode of Shop Talk with Jeff and Jonathan. Hi, Jonathan. How are you doing this week? Hello. Many sweet blessings to you, my brother. Oh, past Jonathan. That was a good one, right? Yeah, that was good. I enjoyed that. Yeah, it was positive. It was perky. Yeah, so those of you that have listened know that I've tasked Jonathan with a different intro every week, and uh, so far, so good. I think four (laughs) weeks in a row, we've had to peppy Jonathan. You know, because the first nine episodes we've had, the, I'm not dead, you Jonathan. You know, some people like to be pessimistic, okay? That's discrimination, really. No, so, I just, I, I you know? want to see both sides. That's all. You're both sides. Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, we have a special episode tonight. We have two guests joining us in the studio, but hey, more about them in a minute. How was your week, Jonathan? How was my week? Yeah. This week is going well? Well... well yeah, I I, I would yeah. I would tend to agree. Tend to agree. You've been pleasantly pleasant. Yeah, pleasantly pleasant. I'm still work. not dead yet. You no, know, no, that's so, that's a positive right? outlook. See, that's not pessimistic. That's a positive that's outlook. That's a pos- That's very positive. Yeah, I'm so. positive that I'm not dead yet. But no, it's uh, I'm I'm going to Disneyland. When? Soon. This weekend. Nice. Okay. Um. I don't know why I ask when, but enjoy your time at the happiest place on earth, as it were. Oh, yeah. Hey, so like I said, we have two guests joining us in the studio this week, which is a kind of a learning experience for us. We've had Vinny, the self-invitee, a couple of times. Uh, we've never had someone in uh, in front of all the microphones, so we're going to see- We're officially at four people now. here tonight, so very good, very good, uh, and crowded. Not too bad, I don't think, so it'll work. Uh, I'm trusting one of you three to do the uh, the documentation of, of the Instagram photos. So, you know. Roger, Roger. Are, are not. So joining us today is JT. Uh, uh, I think Jonathan said we last week. We affectionately call him JT. We affectionately call him JT because when he worked for us or with us, or we all worked together, we had two Jordans in the shop. And uh, it was kind of weird. They exactly had the same initials. Same three initials, yeah. Same three initials. So, but he came in knowing, going with the name or the uh, moniker JT. So we still affectionately refer to him as JT. JT, welcome. Good evening, sir. And we also have Cameron, and Hello. we just we just call him Cameron because there's no other Cameron. Yeah, there's the no other Cameron, Cameron. anywhere. <laughs> so you may be asking yourself, because I am, why are we having these two individuals with us tonight? Well, it's because of tonight's topic. But before I get into tonight's topic. Let's just recap a little bit about last week. Remember last week, Jonathan? We did. We brought down the evil empire, or we discussed big box stores and the bikes that they sell and how they can get away with selling them for so cheap. And, and I revealed the illegal trade commission rulings <laughs> on box bikes. And box bikes and the simple fact that people pay $89 for a bike and they want to know why it costs $115 to get it fixed. Well, it's cheaper to buy a new one. Yeah, so we're not going to rehash all that. So that's what we did last <laughs> week. But this week, like I said, uh, Cameron and JT are joining us because as we continue to pull the curtain back on all things bicycling, this week we're going to dive into the nitty-gritty dirt and uh, wild and dirtiness of gravel bikes and what does it all mean. And the two guys that are with us tonight are gravel bike enthusiasts. I mean, I guess that's the term, right? It's gravel yeah, bike. enthusiast would probably be the best term for it. Okay. Crazy person second, but enthusiast first. This podcast is going to get real dirty real quick. Yeah, that's right. So these guys, um, 
And and Jonathan, to a certain extent, because when he bought a bike this year, he bought a Cody Fingers gravel bike. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I, I picked up a Trek uh, Checkpoint ALR4, and so it's an aluminum frame uh, with <clears throat> disc brakes, and it can fit up to a 45-millimeter tire. tire, which makes it a gravel bike. I have lots of things to say about that checkpoint, which we will dive into as we progress. <laughs> as we progress. So, and Cameron, JT, uh, you know, we've had this conversation at the shop many times. Yes, we have. Many, and, many times. And yes. I'm still confused. And I actually asked Jonathan, and he never really has a good answer, even though he bought one. I think we're still confused as well. Yeah, yeah. no, it's, it's a, you ask a typical gravel rider and you ask him, why do you do it? And it's like, ah, I don't know. It's yeah, fun. and so that that's the question why. Yeah. And is there and I have something for you Jonathan, um just because of the last 2 weeks that we've talked about and you've talked about the marketing of bicycles mm-hmm. and how they go. Yeah. I have a quote from gearjunkie.com. So, please a, an article. Do tell. Gravel bikes, or uh, gravel adventure bikes, endurance roads, stop the madness, they're all the same. A dirty and widely known secret the cycling industry creates new categories to sell new bikes. And I think you hit on that like point blank during our mountain bike uh, conversation, like the free ride yeah. and enduro and mm-hmm. how it all be, how and now marketing drive. So you guys both, all three of you own one. Do you believe that it's a dirty secret? Are they all the same? Is it a made-up category? Is it, is it a legit category? Obviously, we know a road bike's a legit category. And a mountain bike's legit category. They've certainly made revisions to a classical road bike and to a classical mountain bike in order to create this gravel bike. So I'm not going to doubt that the technology, you know, now exists for it. However, you're just repackaging to build a new category. Maybe... Okay, well, okay, first off, so like in the road bike category, right, you, you, you have your endurance road bike, you have your race bike, right? So it's funny you say that because they go on to talk about in the road bike category, they invent terms for marketing in that as well. And one of the terms that they say was invented or they made a marketing ploy for was the endurance road bike. And they actually, exactly what the hell is that? Any road bike, you should be able to ride a couple of hundred miles. So I, I, again, I'm not trying to cast shade and I'm not trying to be negative. I'm just trying to generate conversation and, and, and reading some of the things that I've read reading up to this episode. Uh, cause I, I'm still one. I still wonder not the legitimacy of an actual gravel bike. My biggest wonder is why. And that's and and that's the truth. So, give an example. Like we have the, a race in town called the Spandex Stampede. Oh yeah, I yep. think you've done it. At I least know a couple times. Yeah, I've wanted to. Everybody so that's done it, and you know, a couple of employees in the shop have done it, and they've come into the shop and they've talked about what a suffer fest it was. It's like how your hands are dead. You didn't know if your brakes were going to work. I couldn't make the climb, and the whole time I'm in my saying in my head is like. Well, then why are you doing it on a road bike? Why wouldn't you do it on a mountain bike? Because well, it's more comfortable. It's designed for those descents. you got yeah. bigger rotors, bigger stopping power. So that's yeah, my biggest the, thing. Why involve in such a suffer fest that I don't know. 
So I leave it to you guys that have done it. Yeah, it's for some reason it's even though it's a supper fest, we keep coming back for it. I'm not quite sure what the logic is behind that. Yeah, that, that goes with anything yeah. to that well, goes with anything. I think. So you know, I, I think you know, even like looking back at your past, right? Like doing you know adventure racing and that kind of stuff, right? It's it's type two fun, right? It's fun in hindsight. It sucks when you're doing it, but then you look back and you're like, wow, that was actually pretty cool. And I I, th- I think that for me at least is kind of the. Uh, you know, I'm the one that when I ride, I'm like constantly complaining, like, "Oh, this sucks. This climb sucks. Like, oh, I wish I had an extra gear or whatever." And then, when you're you see the finish line or you know the finish line's coming, then it's a different standpoint of like, "Yeah, that was really cool." Could you have the same fun if you did the same course on a mountain bike, though? Of course. Okay. But you know, at the same time, it's you know, kind of uh, going back to the last episode, or no, sorry, the episode with um, breaking down free ride versus enduro and all that, right? Is it industry-driven or is it end-user-driven, hmm. right? So some people are, are used to riding more road bikes, so they like that geometry and they, they like that feel because it is different. You add suspension to anything and it's going to change the entire dynamics of the bike. You know, you're not going to be able to power out of a turn the same way you would if you had a rigid bike if that makes sense no i get it so oh, yeah and then gravel can definitely be it's for one thing it's definitely an equipment battle oh. like you show oh, you yeah. see a bunch of people show up to a gravel ride and i mean there's almost the entire spectrum you know so you'll see cyclocross bikes you know the guys who were riding who were basically doing this in the off season to stay in stay in shape for cyclocross you know there's the there are the guys who have the out-and-out gravel bikes. But then there's also guys who are on like... Okay, hold that thought, and then <laughs> let me ask you this. Holding. What is an out-and-out... What What is your definition, or what do you mean by an out-and-out gravel bike? What What, what makes it an out-and-out gravel bike? So out-and-out gravel bike, essentially you kind of have to think of it as... Like in the terms of road road bikes, you have your race bike and you got your endurance bike your endurance bike is a little more slackened and you know so you got and you got a wider you got a longer wheelbase a taller head tube taller head yeah. tube fits wider tires and so basically that's what you kind of have to think of as your cyclocross versus gravel bike cyclocross is your dirt road race bike whereas your gravel bike is your endurance dirt road race and- bike Okay, so, and then something else I was reading. Uh, they talk about gravel bikes and adventure bikes, and they're saying there's really no reason to label them separately. They're basically the same bike. Do you two agree that an adventure bike and a gravel bike are the same thing? A gravel bike is basically designed to put bags on and do touring or adventures, or no? No. Okay, so, I mean. I'm going to say yes, just to stir the pot. Okay. okay. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know about JT, but um, I've noticed a huge increase in almost like a hardtail mountain bike with a rigid fork with drop bars, which, and we're talking insane tire clearance. Like, oh, you know, yeah, you're talking absolutely. like 2.4 tire clearance, and they're, it's almost like a plus bike. And they're packing these things like pack mules. You know, they got bags everywhere frame bags, bar bags, top tube bags, saddle bags, all kinds so you, of stuff. So you don't call that a gravel bike? I, I mean, personally, and I think a lot of this has to do with personal opinion, um, I would more call that an adventure bike. Okay. And what's your take on it, JT? I think if, you, if you're calling it a gravel bike, um, it's got to have some sort of road similar geometry, not necessarily road exact geometry, 
but then it's got to have some form of drop bar. And then, you know, but other than that, it's pretty loose. I mean, for, for the two or three years that this category has been out, I mean, not even the bike industry knew what to call it or yeah. knew how to classify it. Yeah. You know, a couple of companies were literally saying, Hey, gravel is what you make it. And then, but you know, where do you go from that? Yeah. But, um, but yeah, going back to, um, going to like a gravel, gravel race. I mean, you'll see some guys show up on out and out road bikes, like full on 25 mil slick tires. Yeah. And you just look at them and be like, yeah, the Bel- why? Belgian waffle. Belgian waffle. Yeah. Great example. And then you see the guys who are showing up on, you know, hardtail mountain bikes, maybe cross country or maybe mm-hmm. a little on the trail side, but have slightly narrower tires. I think the main thing is that with this, at least in my experience in the spandex stampede, it can be a kind of, you gear your bike towards your strengths. So if you think that you're going to be faster on the dirt sections, but you're slower on the road, you might go for a mountain bike to play to your strengths. Or if you're stronger on the road, you might go for more of a, a gravel cyclocross or if you're, if you're a little <clears throat> in the head, <laughs> Which, go with yeah. the road bike on dirt roads yeah. in mud and sand. Which makes no sense, by the way. Yeah, that, at that point, that's just masochistic. Yeah. It, the other the other thing that sh- that should be noted too is, to my knowledge, there is no like UCI regulation on gravel races. Hmm. Cyclocross, yes, like there is like certain certain gear ratios, tire widths, that kind of thing. Like you have to have certain things in a UCI sanctioned cyclocross race. But on a gravel race, it's like open class. You can show up on whatever you want as long as it doesn't have a motor. I mean, you can show up on pretty much anything. Anything goes. Yeah. What's your take, Jonathan? Oh. <laughs> I'm stumped on this one. <clears throat> I've I've too many differing perspectives on it. I mean, I can you can argue one way, for, uh, argue another way. I don't know. So it's just interesting to hear um, that there are two different perspectives. Um, I mean, I can certainly get on a soapbox and be opinionated about something, but so in the decision making process. Because I we we were all sort of working together when when you went through this decision making process to get the checkpoint. Yes. What? Yeah. What? What was the reasoning behind that for you? I guess just so that we have three different perspectives. Right. Uh, so I discovered that the checkpoint being a gravel bike um, was going to allow me to go bicycle touring, and it had the mounts available a ton of mounts for on. for to, to install racks and mounts on mounts on mounts yeah to install and racks cages and things and all like kinds that. of stuff yeah. yeah okay now can when you say bicycle touring is that is is that the, the adventure same? biking per okay se. no but i just that's, no, no, no. that's so, another that's another category yeah. that's, that so may, bicycle touring for another episode <laughs> bicycle touring is is the fact that you're carrying you're, you're going camping right on a bike um and you're carrying it in bags and you're on the road typically, you know, um, or you're just, you're touring, you're touring the country or whatever. Okay. Yeah. So that was your driving force. Cause you wanted to do so, more of the, yeah. Cause it, so, so, you know what, it was also the same time as I started, we started to backpack, the backpacking thing. And, and I then, saw the, the, the migration, right. Of, of, uh, the integration, whatever of, uh, the two sports and I go, Hey, this could be fun. Why not? Right. Right. Um, and at the same time I knew that I could put ro- regular road tires on it 
so that I could treat it like a road bike. However, my uh, frustration lies in the actual application uh, of the bike uh, based on the gearing that the manufacturer set up. Okay. <clears throat> and yes. so that's been a hot uh, debate. You mean like once it's weighted and heavy, it's hard to go uphill? No, no. Oh. Um, so the, the ratio, the gear ratio. Oh, okay. Top right? end, low end, and all yeah. that stuff. Uh-huh. Um, so the gear ratio um, on current mainstream gravel bikes is uh, similar and or the same um, as to uh, genuine road bikes. Okay. Um, but uh, what I believe the engineers fail to consider is that uh, it's certainly a different dynamic riding in dirt and gravel than it is on pavement, concrete. So you need a lower gear ratio. And or I just suck and I can't climb up hills in the dirt. No, you don't suck. No, I've ridden with you. I wouldn't say that that's the case because Anjanette, she she bought the two-by gravel bike and the gearing ratio was just horrendous and right. she didn't like it. Uh-huh. So we converted hers to a one-by mm-hmm. and actually gave her more of a mountain bike range uh, gear ratio. And when she did the, uh, the stampede this year, she says her climbing, albeit still hard, was not not the pain fest that she's had in the past. You know, so... Yeah. Um, I yeah. think the, and I think you're right when the mm-hmm. when the checkpoint some of these other gravel bikes first came out mm-hmm. they were merely road bikes with uh wider clearance for to allow for bigger tires. Yeah. I don't know that a lot of the like you said thought went into um the gearing mm-hmm. cuz you've converted yours to one bike, correct? So that's how schizophrenic I got, right? So <laughs> literally uh, I have the 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 two by the road gearing set uh-huh. up, and then I also have a one by set up, and so I will literally change, change it, it over when I'm making a decision to uh, ride the bike a different way. So, and you know, I get to be a mechanic, right? I know right. how to be a mechanic. I know how to do these things. People at home don't don't know right. that, and. It, a, it's costly right. to, to do that. Um, I had I actually had spare parts, <laughs> you know, right. a lot in of my garage. Parts. Yeah, you know, just from years and years of collecting, right? Okay. So and, you know, if I if I may real quick, and on that note too, like you, you really get into a lot of, um, I don't know how you to say this, hot water, I guess, um, with uh, compatibility. Because a lot of times like you want to do this mega range cassette on your bike, but your derailleur that's stock on the bike can't do it. Right. Mm-hmm. So there is a maximum minimum, you know, you know, cassette size and then you start custom doing things and then you have to do like a road link and whatever else. And well I know JT road, did road, it to, JT did it to his bike when he converted his over and we did the same thing because you gave Angie the uh the, the the beta on it. We put that extra thing in there to help with the throw ratio. Yeah. From 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 a mountain shifter to a road shifter. So it's like a road derailleur in the back. But a mountain shifter up front, we had to change the throw, so there was an extra thing that got added to it. But your bike, because mm-hmm. you've ridden with this on a couple of road rides, yeah. um, it, it, stock one by, right? Yeah, my, my bike came stock with a um, a SRAM Force One cyclocross gear, uh, like group set, essentially. Hydraulic brakes, you know, one one by one by eleven. Okay. Um, and the only thing I did to it was convert it from a eleven to thirty four to a 10 to 42. Okay. And so for climbing? Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. Now, JT, you built yours from the frame up, so you custom spec your your drivetrain out, right? Oh yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm the kind of person who is like, if there if it doesn't need to be worked on, I'll probably be working on it anyway, right? Just to try new stuff out. And Tinkering. Did you go? Did you go di two or electric shifting? Uh, so on my on my on my Crockett, I did. Yeah. Okay. So now that's kind of like my purpose built. Kind of, I have it kind of set up a little bit both ways, but it's a bit more like I don't switch a whole lot of stuff on that one because that's the. It's the nice frame with DI2. And Which you, you wouldn't uh, back bike pack with that one. Oh, no, I would, yeah. Oh, you Absolutely. would? Absolutely. Okay. I have, actually. Yeah. Now, so uh, you rode last Sunday, Monday with us. Yeah. And you have this gearing ratio, mm-hmm. and you're riding with, uh, with eight of us that are all on road bikes. Yep. And, I'm, and, and JT's done it, too. I'm just, you're just fresh in my mind because you literally just did mm-hmm. it. What... What was the biggest disadvantage that you saw? Was it your top end? Was it was it your climbing, or was it? Uh, honestly, I think it's more um, me. <laughs> Just no legs. Yeah, this? I mean, I I went off. I, I went from you off, off, off the couch for having I, not ridden in like a month or so. OTC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And you tried um, to jump in on a Monday. I mean, so you know, being critical of my own bike, um, my top speed. Sorry, my my fast gear, if you will, is forty ten. It's pretty good, right? And then my easy gear is forty forty two, so I'm better than one to one, right? Go. So I can climb. I'm just not fast. Okay. Right, and, and I think that's where, like you were saying, like the more the mountain bike gearing comes in, right? Because it is much more mountain bike geared than, hey, I'm gonna you know just jam up this hill super quick on my road bike. It doesn't work the same way. And when you ride yours on the road, Jonathan, mm-hmm. and, but when you ride yours, you have the advantage. You Franken bike yours out, and you put the two by on, right? Correct. And so if you're doing, so your gearing ratio is more normal than to a yeah, regular yeah. Road. Well, I mean, so it, it's got the similar road ratio, right? Okay. And so your top gear is a fifty ten, right? And that gets you a hundred and. 25 gear inches something in that oh, range for busting out gear inches He's got the gear inches out <laughs> oh, so man. so if you're turning the do RP- i sound smart yeah so if you're turning the rpms you can you can hold the roads the speed that the, the that the roads might be doing correct yeah so at the end of the day if i had the muscle power uh i would spin out at about 28 miles an hour that's kind of where i'm at as well yeah because i'd I typically have mine geared at around about a so I'm a I'm a steel bike. I've got a 40 and a 42 in the back. Um, sorry, 40 in the front, 42 in the back. And mm-hmm. then on my uh, on my Crockett on my nicer frame, I've got a 40 in the front and a 40 in the back. So you know, essentially, I have it. But the the steel bike is a bit more of a Frankenstein bike or more like a kind of Swiss Army bike. Mm-hmm. I've had about maybe five different builds on that thing, and I'll swap between single speed, one by, you know, I'll do a, I'll have a lower gear range that I use for bike packing, um, and a higher and a tighter gear range for regular like commuting, and then you know cyclocross riding. Well, and and you're also kind of hitting on a point that I think needs to be addressed too. Is it's it's you gear it towards your end result, right? Are you trying to break world records getting to the next checkpoint? No pun intended. Or are you <laughs> taking forever and just enjoying the scenery? Right? Okay, so you... I see what you did there. You uh, opened it. So what's your purpose of your bike? Um, kind of the same way, right? So I, I went from having a road bike and a mountain bike, and I was like, hey, you know what? Like, I kind of like, like the accessibility of being able to do both on the same thing. 
And then I also took into consideration, you know, bike packing because I, I do like to bike pack. I haven't packed on this bike yet. Um, but in the past it has been, you know, backpack. <laughs> Basically I'm backpacking with a bike, right. which is terrible. So I'm, I'm going to say that cause that segue is really what I wanted to get into next is yeah. to the, mm-hmm. the adventure biking or touring or bike packing. Let's go camping. That's yeah. It, it doesn't matter. Um, poop in a hole. And <laughs> <laughs> yes, that, that is a thing that happens. I love it. I you? love it. That that is the is always going to come up. It's always it's, it's nature, man. You got to do something like yeah, that. Well, that's the whole reason Jonathan wanted to backpack. So, yeah. um, so the purpose of your bike, you have two. So what what was first, the it, bike packing or or cycle cross or gravel riding? You know the so the first one that I the first one that I got was my steel one, and I mean if I can put that into one word, versatility. You know, I mean, I, at that time, I really didn't have, you know, I was kind of, you know, not financially sound at that point. So I was like, okay, if I have to. You mean you were broke. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Okay. Bike industry terms. That's a little broke. more monosyllabic. Yeah. <laughs> but. Uh, no, that's, I got to write that word down. <laughs> do I sound smart now? <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> so, so I had to say, I had to look at myself and say, hey, if I can have one. What am I going to get? Well, and, and, and steel is real too. So, and steel yeah. is real. Steel is real. You guys. Oh, come on. No, I, no, I, he said that steel earlier in the, in the, in the, in the rundown. I'm just saying it's, it, it's apparently a thing with you guys. <laughs> it, it is a thing. We'll man. get into that a little bit. Yes, later. Um, we will. But yeah, so maybe. The but mo- okay, so when we, when you, when we were all working together and, things have changed because you now you have a car but in the, <laughs> well i, I okay. no it's true it's no true. <laughs> why because you were broke no no i, I thought he choose not to ha- <laughs> chose not to have a car he had three bikes and then he bought a bus so but you commuted like and you did everything like literally everything on your bike right for a good year yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. i lived about maybe i only ever lived about five miles away from work so that always made it real easy um and then yeah i basically said hey what can put up put up with my abuse and what can do pretty much anything that I want it to. Right. You know, going back to, hey, I can put wide 40 mil, you know, semi-slicks on it and go in the dirt and have some fun. Or, you know, if I need to, I can throw some 25 mil tires on it and, hey, I've got a half decent road bike. Now, do you feel faster on a road bike? Yes. Sure. <laughs> can you Can you go faster on dirt with a mountain bike? Sure. But to have one bike that can do both is kind of cool. Yeah. I mean, I actually see that aspect of it. Don't get me wrong. I see that. Like, yeah. hey, driving. And I, and I know that we've talked uh, at work before, and I told you that, like, where I grew up, and I was telling JT about this, where I grew up are other parts of the country. We're not so much dirt road driven where we are, where we currently live. So I figure, I, I assume that, in an, in other locations where dirt roads are trails like that are more prevalent that that I could see the benefit of having that type of bike that if you start on a road next thing you know I come to a a a, a wooden covered bridge and then it turns to dirt road after that then I could see that aspect but the type of riding that I do currently is like really technical downhill type of stuff or road riding so I I'm not really in the, I don't have a middle ground well, right now and- that's actually an interesting point to you because in Southern California, we don't have gravel. We have dirt. 
Yeah. We have DG. We have decomposed granite, right? We have dirt and rock, right? There we go. Whereas in the South, you know, Alabama, Georgia, Kentucky, Tennessee, Florida, they have gravel. Even that, in the Midwest. Yeah. yeah, even in the Midwest. Midwest I mean, cyclocross is huge. It's insane. Um, and, and so to be, to be clear, right, is what you have is you have either dirt access roads, which are moderately maintained, right? Because they're usually going places. It isn't just like access to a water tower. It's yeah. an actual road, right? right? Not swimming in sand. Yeah. And, or you have what used to be a railroad. And they oh, took yeah. they took out the ties and they took out the rails and now you have a raised gravel bed that is perfectly flat because it used to be able to sustain trains and now you can go literally hundreds of miles on gravel the entire time. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a rails to trails, yeah, uh, whatever coalition up in yeah. Idaho mm-hmm. that I would love to do. Well, and Cause you could camp on it. You could, oh, and, and you're everything. going through some crazy stuff too. I mean, you're going through like forests, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. The, the other one too is the dirty Kanza, right? Oh yeah. yeah. The one, the race in Kansas. And that is in, entire, well, not entirely. 200 like, miles of dirt road stuff, right? 212 it, with about yeah. 16,000 feet of climb. And you'll always end up with razor sharp tan lines at the end of the day. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. So I think the perfect <laughs> segue is like, you know, gravel bikes or adventure bikes, or whatever. I mean, they're going to sort of pur- serve a purpose for what you want them to do. I mean, if we if we dumb it down, it's like yes. you're going to buy the bike that you want to do the things that you want to do. Yeah. So both of you, all three of you, and I know Jonathan's answer on this, um, have bikes that are capable of bike touring or bike packing or adventure cycling, as it were. Yes. Which came first for you, buying the bike and then realizing that you can do this? Or was it a thought in your mind that when you got this bike, hey, I might want to get into packing uh, bike packing with yeah um for me personally it was a long thought out decision i don't do i I don't make big purchases without sitting on the fence for months right so it was okay i sold my my road bike i sold my mountain bike what am i gonna do right and i went back and forth between brands and at the time i was working at a shop where we i had access to certain brands And, you know, between those brands, I was like, okay, do I do this? Do I do that? You know, whatever. And the biggest thing that I took into consideration was, you know, the differences between like a hardtail mountain bike and putting a rigid fork on it or doing a gravel bike, quote unquote, is um, space. Road bike or a gravel bike has a huge open triangle for a frame bag. Speak for yourself. Well, when you're not (laughs) 5'3". Touche. Okay. Um, but the, the biggest thing to take away from that is you can bike pack on a mountain bike. It's just tough because you have a rear end that's actuating and you have linkage and you have things that can get bound up and it, it doesn't make for a lot of real estate. So, so you got the bike with the sole purpose, I mean, with the, with the intention well, S- of Swiss point. army knife would be the best way to put well, it. Well, that's, that's yeah. exactly what he said. And the same with you, you bought it for, to be able to do everything to include touring and packing with it. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, I got that was kind of the, you know, to put it to that was kind of the checkpoint before checkpoint was even around at that point. But it was, you know, and it was easily accessible because it was a steel frame. I could get it for six hundred bucks and kind of build it up however I wanted it to. And you can um, beat, you can beat the crap out of it too because it's steel. Going back on that, actually, yeah, because a lot of people I've I've seen so many people with the you know five five thousand dollars six thousand dollar bikes and they're afraid to get it scratched. Mm-hmm. But you spend six hundred dollars on a steel bike, 
and I don't, I don't want to say you don't care about it, but you're not as worried about getting a few scratches and dings on it. You, I look at it as, as you know, battle damage. You get, <laughs> you, you get a nice ting when a rock hits a steel frame. You get a terrifying thud when it hits carbon. Yeah. It sounds like something's breaking. Yeah. <laughs> and so I said, I know Jonathan's answer. I'll just see if I was correct. So you got yours because we started backpacking. We got into the backpacking. Right. And you saw it as the next evolution. Right. That was the next evolution. Right. Correct. And and the same reason you just didn't want to do the mountain bike aspect on the touring as you wanted the bike to be able to do both. Yeah, I mean so I the the bike that we really I was gonna get was gonna be an Amanda, an aluminum frame Amanda. Right. Right. That was gonna be my, my budget constraint. Um and I knew that the Amanda was a, a Trek Amanda was a uh you know, the traditional road bike and it was going to feel fast. I was going to do lots of fast things with it. Right. And yeah, I just, I just had to make a conscious choice to go, okay, give me some versatility. Um, I don't want to, to spend money anymore, really, you know? Um, so let's just be more versatile. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and then I do recall when we were, when we were talking about all of this in the, at work and some of the things that we talked about at the shop was um, you didn't really want to constrain yourself also to just a full, just a full on mountain bike for bike packing. You wanted to have a bike to give you a little more options, right? Didn't we? You know, we, well, I mean, I was, I was certainly interested in seeing how this evolution is, right? Right. Um, the, 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 the new category that is being marketed is being advertised and therefore, okay, why not drink the Kool-Aid, right? <laughs> and see if you like it. Yeah. Um, so I'm still debated, you know, or de- uh, undecided um, whether I truly like this category. Um, but, well, that's the luxury of being a bicycle industry employee. Well, to be honest, the, f- the first overnight back bike packing trip that you had probably wasn't the most enjoyable why you got to bring that up now that's because oh, you guys froze you've on, been right? waiting for this one haven't oh you? i've been waiting for this <laughs> oh well J- jt please do tell oh, oh yeah so so as it were you know so this so i get this guy excited about bike packing he's like you know and he's going on the on the basis of you know i'm i'm gonna be you know going out where I'm not going to make any stops at all. So he carries about 20 pounds just in water on this bike. This bike was over 100 pounds. And I'm sitting here like... Legit. How are this you... Oh, no, I know. This is the checkpoint re- too? No, no, no. no this, this was, was dual, his dual sport that he okay, loaded yeah. up with 85 pounds of gear. Yeah, so wow. I was looking at him. I'm like, hey, you're going to have to at least drop a few pounds off of this. Get it into the two digits. Because I mean, because I've, because at this point, you know, I had, I had done, you know, a, th- a three week touring trip. So I knew that the bike totally handles different and it is so much harder to pedal when you actually have a I was all freaky about the water, man. Where'd you guys well, go? Well, the water, and we've had the same conversation on backpacking because w- w- you need it. You have yeah. to have it. And we talked about, we overpacked on our, on our backpacking trip because we didn't know if there was going to be water available. Oh, yeah. I, that's a legit concern. I, I mean, well, I mean, I'm not, yeah. I'm not faulting you at that at all. Cause I overpack water too. Yeah. But the, yeah. that water weight killed me. What, what is it like? It, I'm blaming like, the water at this juncture. It, I am not yeah, blaming. No, my, I, I wouldn't blame you for, blaming I am not water. blaming my two pound 
folding chair. Oh, jeez. By the way. Yeah. Okay. Which, so, which so, so. JT partook in in the middle of the night. Well, so, yeah, because... Yeah. So, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll get to that in a second. There's yeah. pictures about you there enjoying are. it in the... The comfort of your yes. chair and JT hunker down in a tent when it's hailing and winning and crappy. My, my green my green tent turned white really really fast. Okay, so <laughs> I know I know you want to continue the story, but yeah. I want to throw this out there. Ultralight versus comfort. Where's the line drawn? Are so my question and and you you mentioned it the other day when we were hanging out mm-hmm. about ultralight backpacking, mm-hmm. which is something to me. I again don't understand because i i'm not in a hurry when i'm out there on a backpacking trip yeah i may have certain miles that i need to do and i'm going to get the miles done but i also when i get to a campsite i want to be comfortable i want to enjoy the view i want to you know kick back and have fun our first trip that jonathan and i did Hmm. we didn't take chairs where'd you go uh we did san jacinto okay and, you know, literally, like, after hiking all night and then standing up and eating breakfast, like, sitting in the dirt wasn't a lot of fun or sitting on a stump wasn't a lot of fun. And we weren't ultralight by any means. So that's, that was just well, not a, drilling holes into toothbrushes or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, no, so. Uh, I've done that. What? Oh, 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 oh no. now. I have half a toothbrush, by the way. I will tell you, and you brought <laughs> it up earlier, yeah. um, <laughs> the adventure racing thing. Yes. Yes, we, I, I have participated in a five-person team. 360 mile, seven discipline adventure race. Type two fun. Yeah. There we go. It was actually fun leading up to it. And even the suffer part was a good time. But we, at that time, and adventure racing was going on and everything was happening, everyone talked about the weight that you could save. And we actually did it. We went through everything in our gear and cut off tags, labels, oh, yeah. removed oh, yeah. zippers, things that you didn't need. And you literally could have a pile of of stuff that's cut off of uh, off of your packs and everything to save weight. That's a in my in my mindset that's different. We were racing. We were self-contained for yeah. s- for 7 days through seven different disciplines and we had we had to carry a certain amount of stuff per per the race organization. On a backpacking trip, I'm not so much a weight weenie. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I So <sighs> weight weenie is I don't know. But yeah. So I'm, I'm 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 on the fence about this one. Yeah. But, but again, why? I think it's probably end result. Okay, so right? y- yes, yeah. right? Um, okay, do you so you want to see how much you can like do without? No, it's it's not so much that. It's okay, at least for me, right? So I, I can't speak to adventure racing having never done it. But when I worked at an outdoor gear shop that specialized in ultralight, you know, climbing and backpacking and that kind of thing, um, I remember we actually had a a Nemo, not a sponsor, um, tent. <laughs> That was labeled two slash four person. And it was made for adventure racing because back then the rules were you had to have a four person tent. Yeah. So Nemo made a two person tent and then labeled it four person tent. Yeah. So when you showed it to the yeah, organizer. They, oh, yeah. It's legit. It's four person so, tent. There is no way you're fitting four people in that thing. You know what they say about a one man tent, right? You can always fit one more. If it's one <laughs> lady, two gentlemen, and three real men. Oh, jeez. <laughs> um, okay. So uh, <laughs> what just happened there? <laughs> Oh, man. I'm trying to glaze over it. I will tell you this. <laughs> Having a four-person tent, a five-person team, and camping on Wolf Creek Pass with snow on the ground, we didn't use the damn tent. No. No. Oh, okay, we, so... We, we slept. So, we, when it's time to sleep, or if you're an adventure and you have to sleep because it's like you can't move anymore, yeah. you just lay down and sleep. So, 
the tent was just wasted because we had to carry it. <laughs> this is something. I mean, I even told Jonathan this the other day, and that was, um, you're gonna suffer somehow. Period. Right. You're either I can gonna be. To that. You're, you're you're gonna be okay. So with with backpacking, for instance, right? If you carry a ton of weight, your back's gonna hurt. If you carry no weight and a really really warm sleeping bag, sorry, a really cold sleeping bag, if that makes any sense. No, I no. You're, you're gonna freeze at night. Right. That's gonna segue perfectly back into my story. Yes. Here. So there is definite as as I said back before with uh, with gravel bikes, it's always a battle of equipment. And you space know, so, too, and space as yeah. well. So, so while while Jonathan had the you hunt, were you were frame bagging it right? I and, was frame and bagging seat, it and, and seat bags and and handlebar bags. Yeah, now that's so. And, so I was and you were like full panniers, right? Panniers, full, yeah. full panniers and full full hydro flasks. I mean, who who <laughs> who, <laughs> who slept who slept well that night? Yeah, we'll get to that. Okay, we'll get to that. <laughs> okay, mm-hmm. don't beat me to the funny part here. <laughs> So, so when we're going, I forget where we're going, but basically on the first trip that he's ever done, you know, I was like, oh yeah, go ahead and do a, go ahead and do a dry run, you know, go out 20 miles here, you know, camp out, see if the, see if the stuff works and then ride 20 miles back. Jonathan goes, no, 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 we're no. doing a hundred miles in two days. <laughs> That's right. I rem- this is the, I remember so you that. asked with for a, this. With a yeah. hundred, with with a bike that weighed over three digits. That's insane. So, you know, I was like, hey, listen, can, cause, cause I know where you this knew is, it was coming. Cause I know where this is going. Cause on, on, on my Pacific Coast trip, there was one guy who packed about 80, 90 pounds. And unfortunately, he actually had to end up, you know, end up cutting it short. He did about two weeks. We finished it out in about three. So there's this awesome video of Johnny in his absolute lowest gear going about two miles an hour up this hill at about maybe 45 miles in. Yeah. And you can feel the pain just by watching the video. I, I remember I re- you, you, once you had cell service, you texted that back to us and like, I feel bad for him right now or something. Oh yeah. I've, 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 cause <laughs> I've, I've, I've been there a couple times where I'm like, I've, I've had the 70 pound bike. And I've felt that way. So I couldn't even imagine what so it was like. So we started in Lake stuff. Elsinore hmm. and we rode into Hemet. Uh-huh. And uh, You did good all the way up until about Hemet, right? Yeah, sure. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm, I'm, help, I'm so, trying to help you out here, John. I know, right? So then... Uh, um, <laughs> to uh, him and beyond. Yeah. yeah, at this point, you know, at the, at the end of the story, nobody really wins at this point. <laughs> Go on, Jonathan. Let's hear your side. Well, so no, I'm just trying to d- paint the picture here. So right. uh, uh, into Hemet, and then uh, the border of Hemet uh, borders up against the San Bernardino National Forest. Right. Um, so we end up going into Batista Canyon. Okay, I was going to say you were yeah. going up towards Batista Canyon. Batista Canyon. Too, the whole goal. That's the fire camp where it turns dirt road. Correct. Okay. The, the 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 whole goal of the trip was to get out to Anza. Which is, you know, in the mountain-ish upper elevation. Right. Yeah, I mean, call it the foothills of, you know, San Jacinto. There you go. Yeah. There we go. yeah. Uh, so did that into Anza, and then come back, you know, around through, say, like you know, T- Temecula and and whatever. Um, so. I'll let you keep going, but I just wanted to paint the picture that it was going to be about a hundred miles about in two 100 days. Miles. 
Yeah. The goal was to do 50 miles a day, of course. Yeah, but, and that, that was the plan. Yeah. But everybody at the shop seriously tried to talk you out of that, if it was best Me I Me included, yeah. Didn't we tell you that it's like we can't believe you're jumping off the couch and trying to do a 100-mile bike man, tour? That's a lot off the couch, man. Yeah. That's a lot even I if don't you train No, yeah, yeah, no. See, that's what... So, thank you, GT. Yeah. So, I mean... It the, wasn't a matter of off the couch. It was okay. a matter that... It was a lot. You don't do... 100 pounds yeah when whatever and you're 100 trying to do it. 100 miles in two days yeah 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 <laughs> you know so so we're about probably 45 miles in we get we find the campsite it's we're, we're, we're on not, dirt now we're on, we're fire on dirt and we're we're like out of cell service and we find a little outcropping where we can kind of kind of set up the tents and we're like okay this is today's right here is about a good spot to stop you know i don't know where it's going to be up up ahead the second we roll in and start unpacking it starts hailing. Hailing. And immediately I know I did not pack for hail. <laughs> <laughs> I did. <laughs> well, you, so, you quite possibly uh, packed for the Armageddon, was though, it, didn't I, you? I brought the kitchen sink with me. Is that, is, that, is that the term? Yes. And we literally talked about that. We asked you if you had the kitchen sink. You oh, said the, no, the but best, I, I the have all the stuff that goes in the kitchen sink. <laughs> The best part about seeing him unpack his bag was the $15 kids Walmart tent that he could fit in. That was epic. That's awesome. I got that years ago for my daughter. We never used it. Yep. And then I realized I can fit in this thing. And I I I actually had to say I'm like, "All right, you know what? That's pretty cool." What what did you what tent did you have? I had a, a like a, a marmot something or other two person tent, which is basically a roomy roomy one person tent. Um, so you know, as I'm setting setting up the tent, it starts hailing like crazy. And again, there's another great video of Jonathan in his you know setup in five minute tent, and uh, he's like two minutes, How's it, two minutes, two minutes please. flat. And he and he's he looking at three, me like he had How's three it minutes going to watch. I remember GT that video. was suffering through in the hail. <laughs> yep. Trying to set up his tent. And so I'm just he, in my he, tent. He texts a picture of you suffering uphill. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then you text a picture oh. of him getting beat up by weather. Jeff, See? Jeff, uh, all the credit to you. My camping uh, game was on that day. Nice. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I was set up, the folding chair was on. There was top ramen a brewing because you actually literally posted a picture of you sitting down, (laughs) eating and drinking, and he's still struggling. I'm like, bro, that's not camping, that's glamping, yo. Hey, (laughs) 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 glamping on a bike. I'm here to tell you. Look, um, yeah. So I mean, let's let's just suffice it to say that it got below freezing. It got cold. Yeah, yeah. So it actually, um, what is it? It iced over. It oh, iced yeah. over. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But my my middle, bike was frozen. In the, the middle morning. of the night, JT was not set up for that that cold. Yeah. Um so I I think th- I I ended up boiling water, right? And I put it in, we put it in the bo- in the bottles and let you sleep with it. Yeah, so I so I took my I had a Nalgene that I had, mm, that yeah. I had poured into my in, you know, so leading up to that, you know, I'm at this point, I'm wearing pretty much every piece of fabric that I've got yeah, that I packed out, today, uh-huh. and, and I was still smashing my teeth to pieces because it was so cold. It's shaking, shaking, shaking so much, you feel like you're dancing. Absolutely, yeah, dancing very, very bad. I offered for him to come into my tent, yeah, but he refused. Look, I, I mean, you know, uh, there's a, <laughs> a very famous climber named Yvonne Chouinard, 
as I'm sure, you know, Jeff, you know, and you guys might know about him too, but he has a really good quote that kind of can attest to this. And that is, it's not an adventure until something goes wrong. No, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's our very first episode. We talked about. That's the, my life. What are you talking about? Well, meaning that. Life is an adventure. Like you get better stories when you suffer a little bit. Heck yeah, you do. Yeah, so die without any scars. I mean, so the whole question <laughs> was lightweight versus uh, 100 pounds versus yeah. comfort. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and, so- and and the funny thing is, um, and and I've I've confessed this to Jonathan. I even think I confessed it on our backpacking episode. I I I laughed at John. I said, Jonathan, you're carrying a two and a half pound chair. There's like other things to carry. Hmm. However, we did a trip. And I borrowed one of Jonathan's two and a half pound chairs. I have a two and a half pound chair. Guess what it. is now in my current backpacking yeah. repertoire, and that's the two and a half pound chair. Because, and like I was telling JT earlier, I, I'm I'm not through hiking anything. I'm not looking to. Yeah, you're to, not doing the PCT or anything. I'm not I'm looking not breaking to, any records. I'm not looking to do miles. I mm-hmm. want to go to point A, set up a tent, observe the overlook at point A, get up the next morning. And do a day hike to point B and observe and do things there. Come back and enjoy the sunset. Sit in the comfort of a two and a half pound chair. Drink <laughs> some Fireball into some hot some chocolate. It, and, and watch yeah. the sunset. Oh, you know what? I am Liquid so red proud hot. of you. I am so proud of you. What with the hot you, chocolate and you, Fireball? You, you <laughs> Fireball just, you is an un, is is a, a very what under. Sure. Sunshine in a cup. Sunshine in a. And you posted a picture up this week from. I did. You were just doing that to make. I was up in Yosemite. And again, these are the kind of things that your wife Trina doesn't like because it's an inside joke. I was getting ready to explain it. Okay. But uh, I was up in Yosemite, and uh, there is uh, this ready-made coffee packet. And it's Asian. (laughs) You get it from an Asian market that I stole from my mom's house. Is it Copico? No. It's called Sunshine in a Cup oh, because yeah. that's as best as they can translate it. Literally, yeah. And, and that's so, going on tonight's Instagram because I'm going to steal that picture from you and put there it you up. There you go. Um, but if hearts have cockles, it warms the cockles of your heart. Dude. And Fire, Fireball is alcoholic. Can you run, that, you run that by me again real quick? The, 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 the sunshine. He likes cup. my cockles. What are you talking about? <laughs> if your heart has cockles, it warms the cockles of your heart. That's what I, I don't There's really know what the hell that means. So and many things wrong with that. Statement. I can't even a, attest to having any, any beverages at this point because, you know, we haven't. I told um, you this, this podcast would get pretty dirty real quick. So dusty, dusty, so, not so, dirty. Okay, uh, let me. Y- you're like an ultralight guy, and you'll yeah, just put yeah, everything yeah. on your bike. And Jonathan's a hundred pound guy. So let me <laughs> let me tell you let me tell you my scenario because I am intrigued with this whole and I'm quoting finger bike packing thing. You're or nodding w- right now, right? Whatever it's called. Okay, yeah. I don't. I mean, the I, subcategory of the subcategory. I still don't know what to call it. So this is my setup, and you guys let me know if this is going to be okay can or I, accepted. Can, can I automatically start deleting things or no? Okay. Um. <laughs> so I, I've I've him and hauled like how to do it. Do I do a frame bag? Do I do a saddle bag? You know, this, that, or the other. So just recently, it's come to my attention that a friend of ours who currently works at the shop has a Bob trailer. He's willing to part yes. ways with said Bob trailer. I Permanently? Was, yes. Whoa. Jonathan is very bummed. How did I not get in <laughs> exactly. on this action? Oh, hold the phone there, Batman. So <laughs> this was my plan. Said Bob trailer, buy the axle conversion kit that mm-hmm. would go through on a through axle and mount it to my slash. 
Jonathan proceeds to tell me that that's too much bike for what we want to do. Well, okay. No, wait a minute. Let me finish the story. Let me finish the story. So, roundabout way, I am now in possession of a three-by Marlin 5. Better better bike. That is going to be equipped with the axle that holds the Bob trailer. So I'm going to do a bike packing trip with Jonathan, and, and you two guys are welcome to to join because we want to go to San Alejo. Is that the name of it? San, San, yeah, San Alejo San State Alejo Beach. Beach. Yeah, yeah. yeah, because they have these the section for bike packing and backpackers. It's like five dollars a night. Sites. So mm-hmm. my setup is going to be a Marlin Five with new disc brakes, three by. Because now I'm figuring if I carry a hundred pounds on a trailer, I need to be able to climb it. Yeah, but. The advantage of having the Bob trailer in this bike, I don't have to purchase lightweight anything. I have a two-pound, I mean, a a down sleeping bag. I have a small tent. I have stuff that I backpack with. Mm -hmm. I can now part it down and a a two-and-a-half-pound chair and put it on this Bob trailer (laughs) and go on on a bike adventure. Is that going to be acceptable with you guys if I I show up on our bike adventure with a trailer? Absolutely, because you can tour on pretty much anything. Okay, and you're okay with that, Mr. Ultralight guy oh, over okay. there? Okay, like, you're giving me a stigma. No. Um, that's... So, yes, yes, by okay. all means. That's all right? I wanted to The know. one thing I will say, right, Go is ahead. weight is weight. True, weight is weight, and I... I Depends be... on how you carry it. I'm Maybe a first. Sometimes and that, in that the is hips, true. Okay. sometimes Heavily. in the tummy. <laughs> I thought you're going a different direction with that. So, so Jonathan brought up a really good point a long time ago, and that is when you do panniers and you know, you, when you have the weight higher off the bike, you get this weird cornering feel where the bike wants to fall over. Right. So having your weight lower with, sorry, with panniers or a trailer, you're not going to sacrifice maneuverability if that makes sense. But I will say, you know, no, you, yeah. I 100% weight is yeah. weight, and. Yeah. And every backpacking trip that Jonathan and I do, we talk about it beforehand. What are you taking? Yeah. What are you carrying? And it's like the last trip we did, it it was like a thousand vertical feet every mile. We did like four miles and it was like 4,000 feet of gain. So it there was a tough trip. Yeah. So even though we parred down the weight and we knew there was water available, it I think it all comes down to what the heck you're doing. No, it, it is. It's logistics. It's checking weather. It's the route. It's all kinds of stuff. So yeah. not then, weight weenie, but not also packing lead just for the fun of it. Yeah, no, I'm yeah. not going to pack lead, but I don't, don't need, bring cast iron. I don't need to. You know, <laughs> my backpacking stove is lightweight enough. I have yeah. titanium cookware, so yeah. all of that's going to be nice. And I now I feel that there's no added expense for me to to try a backpacking trip because totally. So that that I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah. And, since my days of in the Marine Corps and working at REI, I've wanted a Bob trailer. So <laughs> that's an advance. Don't know why. What is now, Bob? is it one wheel or two wheel? No, one it's wheel. one wheel. It's one twenty. Oh, it's, yeah. it's a twenty inch wheel too, right? Yeah, and Good it's got, man. It, it's got the duffel bag mm-hmm. that's completely waterproof, and it's got the don't run me over flag. That's one heck of a find, man. So let me then the whole thing that I struggle with, mm-hmm. and I think bike packing or adventure biking or whatever it is you want to call it can be fun. Yes. I think it's more logistically hard to do because on a backpacking trip, we can load up a backpack. We can go to Idlewild and there's seven trails to, to yeah, Strawberry yeah, Junction, Devil's Slide. It seems to me to be easier to go on a backpacking trip than it does a bike packing trip. Is that is that a legit statement you guys think? Yeah. I mean, you know, so like I was saying before, like, you know, I prefer lightweight because I'm a strong believer in, you know, ounces to pounds, pounds to pain, right? Right. 
Um, and when I was in the Marine Corps, I actually coined um, a method. I call it the Sharpie method. All right, so I'll pack normal. And everything that I physically touch and physically use, I'll put a Sharpie mark on it somewhere. And then when I get home, I'll check all my gear. And if I didn't, if there's no mark on it, I don't bring it next time. Right. Now, granted, you, 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 you tailor that to the trip. Because, you know, if you're going out the middle of Joshua Tree and doing geology tour road and camping in the middle of nowhere, yeah, you're packing water. Yeah, yeah. you'll pack differently right? on a three-week trip than you will a two-day trip. Yeah, I mean, whereas okay, if I'm on, going someplace with water, I'll bring a filter. On your three-week trip, though, did y'all not replenish? Did you not have mail drops? Or did you just pack everything you needed and bought food along the way? So basically what we did was we had we had water on, like, on the road, but we weren't... It was more not quite bike packing. But more, you know, like what would kind of be considered classical road touring. Okay. You know, pan, you know, panniers mostly on the road, maybe a couple of dirt paths here and there. But we were within civilization. Oh, so so something you, do... you needed, you could go and buy. Yeah. Uh, so okay. you could go into the local local shop that had, you know, some provisions or whatever five miles before you got to the campsite. And then you would have the food that you would kind of munch on after you know so, while you're on the road so you kind of went as you, you kind of supplied as you went versus doing like supply drops at like post offices and that kind of thing exactly yeah which i mean you, i think i see more of that in like the adventure racing yeah in the through hiking type of yeah, stuff you have guys doing the pct if they don't do that they don't they don't live you yeah. Know? <laughs> yeah i mean there, there's sections where it's like dude you need water yeah period oh, yeah well, the, our first trip that Jonathan and I did, uh, we saw a guy reverse hiking the PCT. Yeah. Oh, and, from, from the north to south? Yeah. And, and I looked at him, and he's practically running. That and, sucks, by the way. And he's asking <laughs> us where water is. He's hiking with an umbrella in like a three-pound pack. And I'm like, everything oh. about that didn't look fun to yeah. me. I mean, yeah. I, I enjoyed... He looked like a day hiker. Yeah. I enjoyed the luxury of having the campsite relaxing, watching the sunset, watching the sunrise, whatever it is, you know, getting out, just looking at the mountains. I don't, yeah. and, and that's my take on anything that I do. If it's well, going to be a bike packing trip, I don't, I don't need to only pack five pounds because I, when I get somewhere, I want to enjoy where I'm at. Yeah. You know? yeah. Well, so, it, you know, if, if, if anyone ever is curious about what the average through hiker or day packer is using, just go to Idlewild during PCT season and just hang out and just watch because they go straight through Idlewild. And you can, oh, yeah. you can see the guys with like, you know, that are the old school, like rucksack, like 50 plus pounds with the cast iron pan swinging off the pack and stuff. <laughs> and then you got the guys that have like the super, super light ULA, you know, wire frame pack. That's got nothing. It's made out of, you know, Dyneema. Yeah. Holes in their toothbrush. Hopes and dreams. Don't knock the whole toothbrush. Okay. <laughs> um, look, look. So I, I always, I always think about the one scene in Saving Private Ryan when you know upham goes to grab his typewriter and tom hanks just holds a pencil out and go. says there you go yeah i mean there is it's a great like, scene by the way <laughs> it is a great scene and it, it, it's it's risk versus gain right so if you have a ton of weight and you're doing some super sketchy single track you know foot and a half wide trail and that weight goes sideways on you and you're tumbling down a mountain oh i i agree you know and yeah. i i think every every trip regardless of the trip that you do uh, you know, it all goes to proper planning. Yeah. And you can, you, and, and, you know, and I'm sure that when we do the, the, the trip to the beach, there will be planning and, but I'm not going to be scared of, of some comfort items either, i.e. 
oh, yeah. the chair, fireball. If you fireball. don't enjoy it, then what's the point? The, the, yeah, because it, once once we spend all day cycling, we get to the beach. I just don't want to like suffer. Okay, great, we're at the beach now. What I want to be able to enjoy the time that we have that we're there. Yeah. So and that's and that's even when I was on the rescue team and doing things, and we had to do multiple day backpacking trips. Um, you know, I always pack, I feel heavy mm-hmm. compared to some other people. But when we got to camp, or like in your instance, when the weather turned really crappy and they're like, wow, you, you, you have a down, you have a down sweater. Well, yeah. Cause it packs up to the size of a baseball mm-hmm. and, it, and it's I, a great pillow. Yeah, exactly. Go, so right? I, I know I overpack, but there have been times where my overpacking has come in very helpful mm-hmm. and, and, and made really crappy situations bearable it's it's so, the whole like rather have it and not need it than need it and not have it mentality but yeah. you can really get into hot water that way no i personally yeah. totally agree because mm-hmm. i i know i carry too many clothes yeah yep. well, very it, rarely do you ever pack perfectly for every trip yeah i, I don't know yeah yeah because i mean it, you know going back to like you know i may have frozen my took us off <laughs> took us but yeah, technical term technical term yeah um, but you know, at the end of the, I, I still felt good enough to actually finish out the, the hundred mile, hundred mile ride. Not me. Now he and he may have enjoyed the campsite, but he was hauling a hundred pounds. So very, very rarely do you ever, I mean, I think if you pack perfectly, it's like a unicorn. What, what was your front fork doing on that dual sport the entire time? Was it just like bottomed out? No, no, it's got a lockout on it. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because it's a coil. And yeah, you can, so yeah. we got to mile 80, 70, 70 74. Okay. So uh, 26 miles short. And uh, we're in. Uh, you dig in your 100 pounds of stuff and wave the white flag? We're, 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 we're outside of, uh, yeah. of, of Sage. Yeah. Um, and uh, oh, but I, I was going about four miles an hour. And I'm that, thinking, right up there, we hit a lot of rolling hills where we would yeah, go yeah. down real steep uh-huh. and then up real steep again. I call those I call steep. those motivation suckers. So yeah. so because you don't go anywhere. No. Given that you know that there's you know at least another twenty miles to go, and if I'm averaging four miles an hour, and the sun's going down, uh, you literally is going to take five hours to get to freaking home. Home. Yeah. So at that point, that's where the cell phone came into play. <laughs> And so, which was Trina, great because the place we were staying, the place we were, yeah, we found reception, yeah, right. Like, yeah, we, were, we were trying to find reception. And this guy comes down to his mailbox, mm-hmm. and you know, he's like, Oh, oh hey, you gotta walk 11 spaces this way and then four spaces out. Totally, sure enough, it worked. Yeah. It was, uh, it was on the corner <laughs> Dude, of Sage Road. You know, that guy Benton. spent like three days pacing around trying oh, to find that yeah. spot. Oh, yeah, yeah. that's his mailbox, that's his so mailbox. he knows exactly where it is. Yeah, but I literally called <laughs> Trina. And that was the one day that she didn't take uh, the the car with her bike rack, so she ended up uh, bu- bu- uh, trading cars with her mom because she worked with her mom yeah. at that time. And then uh, we got the bikes in, and yeah, I well, it was bad. We've had Sufferfest quite like that, but you know we're on the side of mountains, so there's nothing to do but get to the parking lot. But yeah. But hey, what a great story, right? It was a good story. I, I learned a lot. Had you know? some fun, suffered a little. Yeah, me a little bit more probably. I'm so ready to go. Like, I mean, I'm ready to do it again. And well, by, by the way, in my defense, I went out to Joshua Tree, whatever, how many months later, by myself, and I did Joshua Tree. Right. You know, and I, that was four thousand feet of climbing mm. each way. It was crazy. No, I, I. 
So I redeemed myself. No, you for my own sake. You know, and I'm I'm not knocking you for having the weight. My only concern at that time when it happened, I thought it was a lot of miles. I thought I thought that the biting of well, the mileage. Well, because I was comparing, I was rather uh, equating uh, touring miles with road miles. So I'm like, yeah, I which are definitely 50, not. I can do 50 it, miles. It why why can't I? I can do 100 miles, no, right? Yeah. You know, on a road bike, about three to four road miles is one touring mile. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So ultimately, it's more it's more mountain bike miles than it is anything. Cool. Yeah. Well. Guys, we're we're closing in on about to wrap this up, so let's let's just summarize. I think um, <laughs> I I feel a little better on the whole gravel bike thing. I mean, what am I going to get one? I I don't think so because I don't know that it necessarily fits my needs per se. I like road biking and I like the type of mountain biking that I do. So I don't, you know. And if I want to ride down a dirt road, then I I will lock out the mountain bike. Just mm-hmm. I mean, that's just what I'm going to do. But I am. Completely intrigued, and and you know from when you worked there, and ever since you guys did this trip, I am completely intrigued with the whole bike packing or touring or taking all your gear on a bike and going somewhere. And and yeah. we are doing that this year now that I have the devices at my disposal to fix or to get something together where I don't have to buy any new gear. So I'm super stoked about that. Don't let me miss out on that, by no, the way. No, I, I will let you guys know. I'll let both of you know that mm-hmm. it's going to be a like a two-day trip out, camp at the beach, and then camp back because I know with the weight and coming back, the old 395 through Rainbow is just not going to be fun. I don't even like it on a road bike. So <laughs> there's there's that to contend with. So I might be making a phone call at about you know the Rainbow Cafe just so that we already have that clear and <laughs> And set, but uh, I think you guys summed it up best. Uh, gravel bike or that type of biking is uh, is uh, is a necessary evil, I- even if it's a marketing ploy or term. It does fit kind of uh, uh, what I think both of y'all used the term uh, Swiss Army knife of biking. It does open up many many different doors and avenues, and doesn't really close anything in uh, of those avenues in front of you. So yeah. I appreciate you guys' insight. I know we've talked about it. You know, probably ad nauseum at work, and and I think sitting here in a roundtable discussion, it, it, a little more of it become a little more clear to me, and you know the idea of how it could be fun. I I totally get that. So let me finish with a marketing plug. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. So uh, the the idea on a, a gravel bike is if you ever uh, wanted to road bike, but you were uh, ever afraid, not wanting to ride with traffic, there are uh, avenues where we can go into undeveloped areas where it's a lot quieter and you can ride a road bike. So uh, there is a, a trend going on right now within the gravel community um, that people are kind of done with riding road bikes uh, just because of how potentially dangerous it could be out yeah. there. Yeah, right? I mean the onset of texting and all that's made things scary. Yeah, you know, you know. So it, this is really uh, uh, welcoming back um, uh, new riders, or I'm sorry, old riders, and introducing new riders to the sport. So anything that is going to get you off of your couch, I salute. Right. Right. And so the gravel bike has really opened up that door. It's a blending of mountain biking with road biking. It's a versatile bike. Jack of all trades, master of none. And it's 
totally cool. And, too. you know, it's just have fun on a bike. I mean, you know, I mean, do what you think is fun. Look, I mean, planes, trains, automobiles, there's really no real reason to have a bike except for the fact that it's fun. Yeah, it's true. Unless it's, you know, a necessity to get to and from, right? And, and speaking of fun, look right over there. Yep, that's it. You can see the weekend from here. Hey, guys, I really appreciate you guys coming out and making time to join us in the studio today. Uh, JT, appreciate your uh, your insight and, and the story. It was good. Cameron, a pleasure. as always, fun uh, bantering back and forth with you. And Jonathan, you know... Always enjoy spending these times with you, buddy. Appreciate it. And looking forward to our next adventure, whatever that may be. We be homies, baby. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. Like Cameron said, and we've talked about the weekends right there. Get out. Enjoy it. Ride a bike. Do something. Have fun. I'm going to Disneyland. And until next time, guys, see ya. Bye-bye.